You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Wayhai in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode. A return guest today, Mr. Lance Lang from Hope is Alive. You know, I checked the last time you were on the podcast, and it was almost exactly two years ago to the day. I, you know, I was thinking about that this morning because I was, uh, I'm in like a, a winter pullover. Yeah. And I was thinking, I think the last time we talked, it was summertime and it yeah. was hot. It was uh, 6 5 21. <laughs> yes, exactly. So fairly close. <laughs> A long time ago. But uh, for people listening, like, you know, if you want to go back and listen to your full backstory, mm-hmm. I'll link that in the description. They can go back and listen to that. But if people haven't listened to that episode, give us a little recap of kind of who you are, what you do, and then why you got into the whole Hope is Alive stuff. Lance Lang, a founder, executive director, Hope is Alive. We're celebrating 10 years uh, as an organization this year. But to get you kind of how I got to this place, you know, I'm an Oklahoma guy, born in prior Oklahoma, uh, born and raised prior Oklahoma, found my way to Oklahoma City about 15 years ago. And about the time that I made it here, I began to struggle really heavily with opiates. Um, I could tell you the whole backstory of how I fell into addiction and all those things. But at the end of the day, what really took me down was, um, 
was a dependency on opiates. And so I always like to compare it because today there's so many documentaries. There's so many TV shows. Like if you've seen Dope Sick, that's pretty much like my story to a T. Um, I just watched a new one on, on HBO Max about pill mills in Florida. And, I mean, that that was very you know representative of what I looked like you know about 15 years ago and the struggles that I fell into. But, you know, I was a, a business guy and my job was to take folks out and earn their business. So I was a salesperson, really. And the opiates gave me kind of a rush and a euphoria. And for a while, I thought they were helping me do my job until they weren't. Uh, but I became a 50 pill a day drug addict. Wow. And uh, my life was in complete darkness and devastation. And you can just think of down and out darkness, lost everything. That was me. And uh, thank thank the Lord, I, I was intervened on in April of 2011, sent to a treatment center. I felt an unbelievable calling, if you will, a spiritual calling um, to help other men uh, initially, and then eventually uh, women and their families um, through this journey of this thing called sobriety and changing your life. And so I, I took everything that I'd ever learned from my dad and everything that I found through marketing and sales and kind of put it all into this thing called Hope is Alive in February of 2013, opened our first home here in Oklahoma City and invited five other guys to come and live with me and created this holistic long-term program uh, with my wife. Um, and it's um, it's been very successful. Uh, we've had a lot of people um, that we've been able to help and that's a good thing and a bad thing, right? right? I mean, we're yeah. in an epidemic of addiction. So unfortunately, like there is so many people to help, uh, but thankfully we've been able to help a lot of people at the same time through our mentoring homes now of which we have 25 in 12 cities in six states uh, over 200 men and women that are in our program across the country and about halfway through this past 10 years we began to help the families as well through this thing called finding hope these are free support groups for moms and dads and loved ones we have over 40 of those across the country many of which are right here in oklahoma so uh, there's a, a long intro but that's a little bit about me and, and what we do yeah no it's perfect because then you know it, i mean we spend I think it was like 45 minutes an hour in the previous episode going through the whole story, right? Which mm-hmm. I really encourage people to go listen to because it is an incredible story. And, you know, the things that you've gone through to get to here today and, you know, the things that you can relate with people, right? You yeah. know, every people that you meet and, and that become great friends and you take golfing or you, you know, hand out drinks at the marathon, whatever it is, like, you know, it yes, it is not great to be, you know, to have all these people come to you and have all these centers because there is something wrong. But the great thing is you are doing a good thing, right? You're there Mm -hmm. for a reason and you're making lives better. And, you know, even when me and you were out at Tulsa a year ago, right? We're driving around when, you know, in the pouring down rain on the golf course, you know, it was a great day, by the way. It was fantastic for a Taylor's foundation event. And, you know, there were people coming up to you and, you know, just kind of, you know, just, just the people that you probably don't think, have a dependency on alcohol, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they, it's kind of like a taboo thing to talk about it. Yes. You pull you aside and say, hey, you know, like, yeah. can I, can you, here's my card, can we have a conversation? Yeah. Or, you know, I've been sober for five years, the greatest thing's ever happened to me. Yeah. Like, there's so many people that could probably, and you probably have a million stories of this too, right? It's like, it's not just, you know, the person who is really, really struggling, they're down and out, you know, they're miserable, they're depressed. You know, you could look at that person and think they probably have an alcohol problem, right? Yeah. It's kind of easy to spot that. Absolutely. Or an addiction of something. But it's it's probably the guys who, who come to you that, like, they look like they have their life together. That's right. Right? That really, like, you know, oh, I am doing the right thing here. Because the, if these guys are coming to me, then I must be doing something right. Well, I mean, I think that's 
one of the biggest parts of my story. I mean, I, I was a I was a full time employee. I was a vice president of a company. I was the son of a pastor, and so who was going to help that person? Right. There's a lot of amazing services, and we here we are kind of downtown-ish in Oklahoma City. A lot of amazing organizations for indigent folks, homeless, those that are trying to fight their way out of poverty, and those are there are a lot of those across the country. When we started this, there wasn't a lot of people, organizations that were helping suburban families, if you will. Um, not the down and out, but maybe the up and out, the, the middle class. I mean, and again, I'm, I'm the kind of the persona of that. And so I, I believe that we have been kind of called for such a time as this, as the opiate epidemic has, has made its way to the suburbs and the heroin. And now here we are with fentanyl and it just keeps getting worse. And, and what I learned and realized is, you know, addiction doesn't care who you are. Um, it, it doesn't care what your last name is, what your bank account looks like, where you live what you drive it is it does not discriminate and Mike yeah it is crazy to go into literally any environment and have those people pull you aside and I learned that really really early on that quite frankly as the philosopher notorious B.I.G. would say more money more problems and so I realized that um, I mean early early on that we were I was going to get calls from people that I knew their last name I knew who they were and that's a really interesting thing by the way when you don't know exactly what to say but you're being called to be the one that's like the subject matter expert. <laughs> and I just encourage anybody that's in that position, you just got to step into it with faith and with confidence and believe you were you know, chosen to answer that question. And there's nothing more powerful than your story. That's what I've always leaned on. I, don't, I might not have all the answers, but here's how I did it. Here's what worked for me. Here's what I've worked for, seen work for other people. And when you're working with addiction and folks that are, that are struggling, you know, the best thing that you can do, you know, draw out that firm boundary line, shine a light on the problem, hold firm to what you think they need to do and love them um, throughout the process. But yeah, I, I could tell you tons of stories of folks pulling me aside. And, and that day when we were on the golf course, I can think about two or three people who did that, um, who are today, thankfully supporters of what we're doing. And hopefully we've been able to help their families. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, two years since we last recorded, catch us up to date. What's happened in the last two years other than a pandemic? Yeah, that is very true. Um, well, we've opened a ton more houses. So like I said, we're up to 25. We've expanded into some states outside of Oklahoma, further expansion in North Carolina, made our way down um, to the, the continent of Texas in Dallas-Fort Worth and opened a home there and expanded west into Colorado Springs and beginning to help as many folks as we can there. But I mean, the biggest thing personally is I had a, had a child, had a baby, yeah. and um, that's probably changed my life, obviously, more than anything. And the biggest and best news, our little boy who's carrying my name, Lance, Adam Lane the second, we call him LA. Uh, he's he's just in the light of our life and, and changed everything about us. And so, uh, I think that's that's probably the biggest news uh, personally, uh, professionally. Again, um, opening as many homes as we can, uh, opening as many support groups as possible, and trying to help folks. And and you touched on the pandemic, and you know, I think we're still living in the the after effects of that in a major major way. And if you don't mind, I'll jump right into yeah, that. Yeah. You know, I'll never forget hearing a story of a guy that just graduated our program in Tulsa and and he'll tell it he, he was sent home to work like so many of us were and began to you know instead of drinking a glass of wine at night began to pull that glass or two into four o'clock into three o'clock into two o'clock into one o'clock and you know it's easy to hide that on zoom calls and I, I am afraid that that is the epidemic inside the pandemic, if you will. 
and we are still seeing the effects of work at home and all the things that it does in isolation, a lack of community and a lack of accountability. Um, and so again, I'm, I'm not against working from home. I understand that. And everybody I interview nowadays asks me how much they can work from home. I get the freedom and flexibility that that provides, especially as a, a young, a parent of a youngster, but for those that might have the affliction of addiction and potentially struggle with, with vices like that, you have to be very, very careful. And that young man, uh, that alcoholism slowly began to overtake his life. And the truth is he lost his, his marriage for a moment and he lost custody of his child for a moment. And this was a guy in the military, you know, this is again, not the stigma that you're thinking of right. maybe in your mind. This is yeah. just a normal guy like me and you, um, who has to, had to go through a custody battle. I mean, which is wild to think about, but that's what happened. And so, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out how we serve that population the best that we can, uh, but we're still seeing the impacts. Yeah. The pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and I think, you know, for me, right, like I got a lot of family back home and, and it was a lot worse, I think, in the UK because people generally like, like they were locked down for like, you know, Europe was like pretty locked down for kind of, you know, eight plus weeks, right? Like furloughed. Whereas out here we could still run around and do our thing, but a lot more people working from home. And like you said, it's a lot easier to hide it yeah. in a Yeti cup or a cup of whatever. Yeah. People, just think you, you know, people just think you're drinking water, right? Exactly. Not like wine or beer or whatever, or vodka. Or what, I mean, whatever it is, like no yeah. one knows. It's very easy to hide. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know I hit it a lot. Yeah. And so one of the things that we have been trying to do is, is, is leverage the technology to help people. And so we started a thing during the pandemic called HIA Online. Line. Okay. And as we look back on it, it was kind of like a beta test to see. I think everybody was trying some version of online, trying to figure out how do we operate? How do we still help people? We're in a business. How do we continue to sell? Whatever it might be. And so we started a version of that, beta tested it for about a year, put it on the shelf. And now we're about to bring it back. Mm-hmm and roll it out to corporations starting here in Oklahoma City first and having conversations with some of our our heavier partners about what it would look like to extend a 90-day version of what we do Mm -hmm. uh, only online. But the the difference is that you'd be in a group environment. And so you have some accountability. You're meeting several days a week. We would even work to facilitate some version of drug testing. You know, now you can do saliva tests. I know you probably don't know this is not your world. You can do a saliva test on camera and then show show the results. So there's kind of ways that we can help people stay accountable. And ultimately, again, we're trying to find creative ways to help people find sobriety and live the life that they've been called to live. Yeah. And, and so online is a version of that that is, again, kind of the the rollover effects of the pandemic. Okay. Uh, and that has bled into mental health in, in a major way um, and, and just various amounts of struggles for people. Yeah. So so is that kind of just like, so, you know, like a, a big corporation comes in, you know, let's say Hobby Lobby for some reason, you know, for yep. example, they come in and they say, hey, you know, we, we want to work with you to provide this service for our employees. And then you just come in and run it and yeah. 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 I think it's like two or three different uh, possible uh, service offerings, if you will. Number one, we want to provide resources and referrals for the senior leadership. So if somebody has a struggle anywhere, it could be an employee, it could be employee's cousin or father. Like we want to make sure they have the best route to connect with the right resources. And as a leader, you know, you're only as good as your your resources, your referrals, where you can connect somebody to help and health that you know is going to work for them. So we want to be that 
for corporations like we have been for churches for the past 10 years. And we have over 100 church partners that we do that with already. So that will be kind of the first offering. The second offering will be quarterly education, awareness, prevention, training, um, uh, roundtables, uh, meetups, small groups, large presentations, emails, whatever way works for the culture of the company. And the last prong of that will be the HIA online. And for those that might self-disclose that they have a problem, for those that might you know, get caught in a drug test, for the warehouse worker, for the oil field worker, for the painter, the plumber, whatever it might be uh, that is struggling in Maybe they got a DUI and they're working their way back into some trusting situations. Whatever the case is, if addiction rears its ugly head, we want to provide them an opportunity that in a sense where they might not be able to move into one of our homes and stay for 18 months uh, because of whatever the case might be, they'll, they'll still have an outlet that's trusted for them to find help in a 90-day period. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of mentioned mental health as well, right? They almost see these two things kind of go hand in hand, and but, but you know, fight kind of curing addiction and, and working with someone to get away from that and also working on their mental health. Like that's a, that's a lot to take on. It is. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah, you can tackle one, but the other kind of is, you know, it's just wavy. It's like having the two, the devil on the shoulder, right? Exactly. You know, like, yeah, you could be really good at one and the other one, your mental health, you're like, yeah, I haven't drunk or I haven't had a pill or whatever it is or whatever your vice is, but I'm, mentally miserable yes right so how do you go about putting both of those together and it's a fine line you know it is a fine line i mean the first thing is if it's there above our level of care Mm -hmm. then we're going to refer out and we're going to connect with a professional and mental health is so fuzzy and blurry it's really hard to navigate so we want to make sure they're connected to the right resource i think for us and where we land where we can serve people the best way is to help them live a life of sobriety to help them clear the brain fog to allow their brain to heal. And then what I have seen is that some of those mental health diagnoses can begin to fade away. It's the chicken and the egg. Did the mental health cause the addiction? Did the addiction cause the mental health? It's not uniform across the board. However, I do believe there is a certain population when you begin, I mean, think about it, when you begin to stop abusing alcohol and what it does to your mind, when you begin to break that dependency on a substance that you've been with for 10 years, you begin to heal the trauma that caused it. You begin to have life skills again. You find your purpose and your passion. You're, you have a job. You you have a budget. You have friends and families. You, your faith is restored. That does wonders. All Maybe just one of those does wonders for your mental health, not to mention the combination of all of that. So do we help those that have mental health struggles? Absolutely. But our primary focus is chemical or substance use dependency. Sure. And we do believe that. And we have seen that a lot of folks, when, when that is worked on and healed, if you will and a program is established uh, we've seen depression fall away we've seen anxiety fall away we've seen a lot of those mental health struggles begin to fade away and we also know that um, you have to work at keeping that at bay Mm -hmm. right and i'm 10 12 years sober yeah do I bounce with depression at times? Absolutely, I do. I think there's an epidemic of loneliness out there. Um, you know, people that, that want more connection, want more community, even post-pandemic. I have to continue to work at that, or I can suffer with anxiety and depression just like anybody else. And so, but you clear those substances, you work on that trauma, and then you continue to work um, other parts of your life to, yeah. to maintain mental health. Yeah. Is there anything that's kind of like getting a lot worse recently? I mean, I know you kind of 
reference fentanyl a little bit like is that kind of like the big thing at the moment i think it's the scariest thing i mean i had breakfast with a guy yesterday no substance abuse in his life and the first thing he says is you know what do i tell my my kids right now i'm scared for them to sleep over at somebody's house and 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 a mom break open a, a pill bottle and you don't know what's inside of it and so i think there's fear around that and and rightfully so i think um what it's, it's one thing to be talking about somebody picking up something on the streets, and there's another thing about talking about somebody uh, having something at school or, or a child being scared of fentanyl. I, I think the main thing that we must do is just be incredibly aware of what's happening in our society, to talk about it as much as we possibly can, and to realize that we're in a time where we need to be very careful about what what we're ingesting mm-hmm. in, in any way, shape, or form. I, I can tell you six friends that I've lost over the past six months to fentanyl overdoses. Um, I looked on the way in here, 1,027 people died of overdoses in Oklahoma in 2022. That's just last year. And so as over 1,000 people, which 22% increase over the year before, that's second in the country in the percentage of increase. And so we're kind of still, you know, right in the, in the heart of, the, of this problem, and we got to be really, really careful about it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, education is really important. You need to talk about this in your business. You talk about it in your home. You need to be wise of what's going on. And, and we need funding. We, we need support. All the organizations that are out fighting this. And we need to recognize this is, this is a huge um, community uh, public safety issue yeah. right now. So what is the, like, why are we number two? Like, what is the cause of that? Where's this coming from? Is it easy to get access here? Like, why is that? I mean, I don't know if it's just our relation to geographically to Mexico, where sure. this is coming across, and you know, here we are, Texas, Oklahoma, right there on the on the brunt of it. I, I think a lot of it is just the fact that we've we've led the country in addiction stats for a, a many many years, yeah. and so every single person I could tell you about that's that's died that I know about, they weren't going to buy fentanyl; they were buying an oxycotton off the street. They were doing cocaine. Um, they might have, who knows what, the, but they were doing some other substance that was laced with fentanyl. Gotcha. And so fentanyl test strips are really important. I saw the, the billboards that are going around the city right now. Those are really important to talk about. Uh, and I think I've even saw something where they're going to put vending machines in rural areas across Oklahoma for people to buy fentanyl test strips. And again, you're, you're, it's kind of a weird thing to say, hey, go test your drugs before you do it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, that's just kind of the world that we're living in. And, and until that person's ready to take a step to change their life, I mean, that's certainly a precautionary step that they can take. But Mike, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I did. People ask me all the time, where's this stuff come from? I mean, I could tell you the documentary I watched of, you know, Vice News that told me where it came from. But other than that, I couldn't tell you. All I know is that the more we talk about this, the more people are aware of the help that they can get, the more folks that, that can we, we can help. Yeah. So. Have you connected with Reggie Whitten? Do you know Reggie? Also, I've had a couple different meetings lined up in yeah. both the past like month and yeah. both of them got rescheduled. Yeah. He was pretty, he was on the podcast couple of months ago um and obviously he's very involved in absolutely in i'm definitely familiar well. with with yeah. with mr witten and they've been supportive of the organization and i think as we talk about uh, school education yeah. which i know is is one of his passions and the films that that he rolled out um that's why i've been trying to, to get yeah. in a room with him and talk about how yeah. we can work together i'd like to just be a fly on the wall in that room because you two together would would really make something happen for sure because those uh what he's doing and what you're doing, it, it seems like a perfect, perfect mix. Um, 
tell me about leadership. Can't be easy, right? Doing what you do, um, growing, you know, growing, growing everything you have, more houses, different states. Like it's easy when you probably have three houses in Oklahoma City, you can get to everyone in, you know, mm-hmm. that day, right? Within 10, 20, 50 minutes, whatever it is. But expanding into different states and stuff, yeah. like that's, you know, you, you got to put a lot of faith in, in your house leaders and everything like yeah. that too. So tell me about kind of like your leadership journey. Yeah, I think it's been ever evolving and ever changing. You know, we're at 67 employees operating in, in multiple different states and several different, you know, levels of leadership. And that those aren't brags. Those are just like facts that, that make it really, really a dynamic struggle. And so for founders, especially who, you know, started doing everything, it is a journey of of trust and a journey of letting go. I mean, you're just every single day trusting someone with your baby and letting some, you know, letting go of the trust to allow them to, to lead it. But it's also part of, you know, what gives me joy and passion is to see somebody step into their calling. And so 90% of our workforce has come from our program. And so we're, we're giving men and women the opportunity to, to live out what they feel spiritually called to do just like I did. Um, and so that's really I think that gives my wife and I a a great sense of pride. But I think as a leader, I've had to, um, I've learned that everything rises and falls on leadership. I mean, it's a very common saying, but it's so true. And if I am not developing myself, I I have to lead the way. I've got to be listening to the most podcasts. I need to be reading the most books. I need to be talking to the most mentors. If there's anybody in my organization that's doing more of that than me, I mean, that's great. And I'm, I'm super stoked about it, but that means I'm probably not doing my job to push myself to be the very best that I can be. And that's what I've been trying to do is, is make sure that I am setting the pace. Talk about the running the half marathon. I'm setting the pace on leadership development. And if I can be in the best place that I can be mind, body, spirit, then I, you know, I trust and you know, I'm a spiritual guy. I believe that God's going to give me what I need to lead at another level. Um, and that level continues to grow and that trust has to continue to grow in myself. Yeah. And I think sometimes you, you don't have to fake it until you make it, but you've got to step in with confidence to know that, you know, you can do it and that you have been given a sense of influence, no matter what position you're in, people are going to look to you and they're going to believe what you have to say. And so step into it with confidence. And one of my mentors, you know, Pastor Craig Rochelle, I, I, I always remember what he said on this podcast. He said, you as a leader, you, you can reserve the right to change your mind. And so you don't have to be perfect. And Mike, I've learned that in a huge way. I've been able to go back and say, Hey, I thought we were going to do this. I thought we were going to open this amount of homes. I thought we were going to go to this state. I thought we were going to open this service line of programs or this event. But I realized that, you know, we're actually needing to go this way or that way. And it's okay to change your mind. And I think people that are following you, I think they respect that uh, when, when you're willing to say, hey, I think we might have made a mistake or we, we went down a path that we shouldn't have gone. And so I just say, you know, constantly, constantly growing and reading and listening. And the cool thing about this phone is it's just a... It's a university on steroids of anything you want to learn. And there's so much great stuff on, on leadership development and just pushing myself to be the very best version of myself. And, and you know, it, it's an uncharted territory. I don't know where we're going. So I've got to find the people that have been there. And there's nobody that's been exactly in growing a, a residential recovery program nationwide. There's not any of those out there, but there are people that have dabbled in the different areas. And so it's, it's those kind of folks that I'm seeking out and asking for advice yeah, yeah. and being willing to, 
to let him speak into my life. Yeah. What's the book of choice at the moment? What are you reading? I'm reading, um, it's, it's Ed Milet's book and yeah. I will open it right now. One, one it's more. one more. Yeah it's, yeah. it's that one more power of one more. One. Yeah. yeah. And, and I've got 51 minutes left on it right now. And so I, I'm, I'm into Milet right now. I've got discipline is destiny that I've listened to a little bit. Ryan holidays, uh, one of his newer ones as well. And I would say this, this is an older book uh, for leaders that are out there and, and they're trying to come up with a, the, the right motivation to maybe end something. I read Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud, and it was really helpful for me. You know, I think the truth about leading a growing organization is not everybody's going to be able to go with you um, that started with you. And that's been a really heavy realization for me recently. And those staff members that started this journey or even came in in the second iteration, they might not be able to take you to the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh iterations. And Necessary Endings by Henry Cloud has helped me kind of tangibilize um, that that's okay and how to go about it and to be able to, to make endings in a way that you don't kill the relationship. Right. And that's important as a leader. And, and I think that's been a big thing for my wife and I is realizing um, that not everybody's going to be able to go um, into the next phases uh, with you, maybe the promised land, if you will. Uh, so, yeah. so, so you, you're listening to the audio books like, Oh yeah. Are you a podcast guy as well? Oh yeah. Okay. I don't read anything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm, takes too much time. I'm listening all the time to, yeah. to all kinds of pods and, and definitely to, to books. Yeah. yeah. You have a podcast of choice at the moment. I mean, Ed, Ed's podcast is pretty epic. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, I'm a huge Groeschel guy, so yeah. so Craig's podcast is something I'm always into. I will tell you a couple kind of uh, just relaxing ones because I think you need those as well. It's okay. kind of like the entertaining part of it. I mean, of course, I listen to some Joe Rogan. I listen to some Stephen Furtick. Uh, there, there's this one um, called The Rewatchables. Okay. It's on... So it, do you like the movie The Karate Kid? I had never seen it. You've never seen I mean, it? I've seen clips, but never sat and watched the entire movie, no. Oh my gosh. I know. Well, give me a movie that you loved growing up. Uh, uh, I can't think of any, to be honest. You put me on the spot. Um, I mean, let's just think of, let's go recent, Top Gun, the new Top Gun. Exactly. So the first Top Gun, right? Yeah. They would call it a rewatchable. This podcast goes through all those old classic movies okay. and they kind of, you know, break them down, talk about different categories, who could have been the actor, who were they talking about, what were the rewatchable yeah, yeah. clips. And for me, it's kind of like brain candy. I mean, it's just fun. Yeah. And so, like, especially Friday, we're recording this on a Friday. I might go for a run this afternoon and throw in, like, a rewatchables pod that allows me to just, like, be okay <laughs> and not feel like I'm, uh, just to take a break from the constant leadership journey. Right. And I'm not saying I'm just always doing that, but I am really trying to get better in yeah. every aspect of my life and so those, that's a good pod a to have some mental mental breaks and yeah, some self-care yeah. yeah no you're 100% right like for me I, I'm kind of like that too and I'm kind of always listening to something but at the same time I need to throw on a golf podcast or a, you know I, I like cars so it's, you know guys talking about car stuff yeah. I need to throw or just listen to music like yeah Fairway Rowan's on, I don't know if you've heard Fairway Rowan that's a, pod, a golf podcast that one was on my list as well and so yeah those kind of things are, yeah. are good self-care pods I was listening to one recently it's called founders do you know yes i've heard of it oh it's so good it's kind of like what you need to get it's just one guy basically who just reads a book every week and then he just like breaks the book down um but he's very good at it and it's just him telling you about the book and some of the stuff that he, you know i mean you know he's, he's kind of researching all these people and like you know 
Rockefeller is a mm-hmm. the people, you know like the mm-hmm. one recently I was listening to was, it was kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger and talking about him and like a, a book that was written by his first girlfriend basically when he well not his first girlfriend but like the girlfriend he was dating while he was coming up and like the, who he was you know and he grew up like with no electricity oh yeah like, no running water in the yeah. house and, like, I just watched you know, the Netflix doc on him right? yeah it was great you know and you watch it now like if someone can do that you mm-hmm. know and, and he knew exactly what he wanted to do and he was telling her like I'm gonna be in, I'm gonna be a movie star and like I mean, how to you? Yeah, it's an amazing story. And frankly, like I watched it a couple of weeks ago and I was motivated. I mean, I try to find the, the, the silver lining, the leadership side of it in everything that I watch. You know, what, again, spiritually speaking, maybe what I'm feeling God's speaking to me about through whatever I'm watching. And so I'm watching the Netflix Arnold Schwarzenegger one and he's, he's talking about his struggles. Like he's had some public stuff, right? And he said, you know what, for me, I've just got to get up every day and keep working and stay busy. And and not allow my mind to to go back to that because if I do, then I will tear myself apart. I will fall back into this dark place. And and I know it might seem like a weird thing that I took away from it, but that's what I did. Like, hey, sometimes you just got to get up and and keep moving forward, and and stay busy, and not and not dwell so much on that. And I think what I took also away from that is life is a series of seasons. Yes. Talk about a guy who's had a lot of different seasons, mm-hmm. and of course that's how that net, that documentary was broken up in the three major parts of his life but here I am 40 years old and I, I know that I've still got another two or three seasons in front of me and I and just trying to make the best out of this life that I've been given and and not allow uh, failures not allow uh, broken relationships not allow uh, regrets to keep me from uh, what that next season looks like yeah uh, do you watch the, the Conor McGregor documentary have you seen that yet oh yes yeah I was, oh yeah we've I watched all of them how like how like it wasn't like a it wasn't a, like a, a magical ending like he's no. injured all the time I, exactly it, it was like wait yeah I, took, I had to rewatch it a couple of times to actually get the whole thing I, I loved watching it because frankly I guess I had forgotten about those last three fights so yeah. I had no idea what was going to happen which is always good when you're yeah. watching something like oh what's going to happen next but my wife and I watched it and we loved it and again like yeah he has a lot of money yeah he says dumb things or whatever but dude the dude works mm-hmm. I mean he that he was He's grinding to, I mean it was right? crazy and I just felt like you know people don't understand what it looks like behind the scenes yeah. they think people get it overnight or they might just have it naturally you know most people who get to that place have really put in the work yeah. do they have natural ability yes but he has put in the work and I, I was very again captivated find the lesson in whatever it is do you subscribe to everything no but you find uh, those silver linings those takeaways and you try to apply them to your life and I thought that was a very motivating captivating story um, to see what he'd been through and obviously your heart broke as he got hurt and right. you know you want to see him come back and do it again and um, I, I love the scenes where he was in the church yeah, and, and kind of just just seeing a different side of him as well and I thought that was really unique as well so. yeah well and the other thing I took away too is like you're seeing him be a family man mm. right like he has like a few kids during that time yes. right and you're like hang on a second like I'm used to seeing this guy you know who's pretty funny but like you know he, he kind of just down you know degrading his opponents on you know all the time at press and wanes or whatever and playing mind games and then tries to obliterate them in the in the octagon and eventually you know loses and gets injured and mm-hmm. he's so frustrated when he gets injured and and you know because like that is his life right yes. but then it cuts and he's just like chilling his baby yeah he's like this is the greatest thing ever and yeah. he's just like holding his son yeah like, hang on a second 
which is great perspective for a workaholic uh, like me as well, and who can just like anybody else get their identity uh, misaligned yeah. in what they do, and being able to pull back and realize, you know, probably what's most important. Obviously, you know, your spouse and, and your children, and the legacy that you're going to leave behind through them, um, just as much as as you are through the podcast, through the ministry, through the business, through the funds, you know, the money, whatever it might be. And, and I think he was beginning to get a taste of that and realizing, um, you know, that that's true legacy. And I, I love too, like he seemed like a family guy, right? Like a family man. And and you can have everything in the world, but it's really those people that are around you at the end of the day that, that makes your life what it is. Yeah, definitely. Kind of parlaying into some fitness stuff. You mentioned running, mm-hmm. um, you know, running seems like your, your, you know, your outlet. Um, mm-hmm. tell me about getting HIA involved in the Oklahoma city marathon. Well, I ran the marathon, the half marathon. I've done it three times. So the, the first time was three years ago and I had never been a part of it in any way, shape or form. And I was absolutely blown away by it. Uh, I thought it was the coolest thing for our city. And, and honestly, maybe even the best kept secret still from thousands of people that have not participated, even though there's 20,000 runners and hundred thousand people down here, whatever it is, I still think a lot of Oklahomans haven't got to see the magic of it. And so for me, I, I walked away by saying, hey, I'm going to be involved with this every year. And if I am, that means Hope is Life is going to be involved with it as well. And the next year we did a water stop at um, Westminster, the church. And we brought out, you know, a hundred recovering drug addicts in their NHA shirts. And, you know, that doesn't hurt anything as well as 20,000 people are running by seeing our logo. So there's always branding efforts there too. But I mean, the point was like, we were going to be a part of giving back to the city and we were going to be a part of this really special moment. And so they've been, the marathon's been great to sponsor our little 5K as well that we do. And so we were a part of, we got a water stop again this year. We heard that, you know, we were one of the best of the past two years, most energy, a lot of fun things. And, you know, recovery is about giving back. That's a huge pillar of what we do. Getting out of yourself. Yeah. Getting up at 530 in the morning and making your way down here and avoiding traffic yeah. and getting in before the roads close. Exactly. Right. Wearing the gloves, handing out the, the water when it could be cold, all yeah. those things, but you're serving other people. And I fell in love with the event and just the culture, the feeling, the city coming together and hopefully the state coming together and being proud of that. And so I was really trying to prepare to run the full this year and I got plantar fasciitis in both feet about a month beforehand. And so I went to, got shots in my feet, all kinds of stuff I won't tell you about, but at the end of the day, I could only felt like I could only do the half and be able to make it through. And that was with a, quite a few stops and stretching my calves on the curbs yeah. along the route, but finished the, the half marathon, saw you, saw you yeah. um, and so many people along the way. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing. And, and so proud of the, uh, the, the board and the team at the, at the Memorial that puts that together and proud to be an Oklahoman. Yeah, it's such a great day, right? And this year was the first year that I was involved from like a handing out water and like a race stop perspective. And I will do it every year that I have, you know, I have the ability to do it. Because it's like, you know, we're at the end, right? We're at like mile 23, 24 or 11 for the half. And you're just like... It's the point where a lot of people are really doubting themselves. Yes. You know, yes. They're like, why am I doing this? Absolutely. You know, like, I don't have, like, Taryn, my wife, ran it, and she came through, and she's like, I'm overheated. Like, you know, and and I didn't realize this until after, but, you know, she came back when I met her at the finish line. She was like, just after I passed you, like, I had to, like, 
heave and throw up. <laughs> I was like, oh, great. <laughs> like, thankful, thanks, thanks for holding it in. Yeah, exactly. You, know, like, you know, give you a kiss on the cheek and keep running and keep going. You can do it. But, you know. That would have been great if she just threw up on oh, you. Yeah, exactly. That would have been really yeah, funny. I mean, great to see you. Here's a bottle of water. Thanks, yeah, exactly. You know, which might be a you know, lessons for when, you, when, I have, when we eventually have it's kids. It's a great test of perseverance, though. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. At it, every it, level. Oh, my good. Half marathon, full, whatever you're doing and, and getting, because there inevitably will be multiple times where you want to quit. And I'm not saying that's the case for all those top end guys and gals, but I would say most of us in the middle, yeah. and that's the majority of the runners. Like right. they're, they're trying to do their first half. They're, they're trying to, to do their first full. And I mean, there's so many times where you're, you're wanting to quit after, you know, after you kind of get through the pink cloud of the first five miles or so. And, um, just being able to, to, to do difficult things. This is something I've, I've led our team through many, many times, you know, in this, this saying, I can do difficult things. And so a part of kind of the therapeutic nature of where I am today, long distance running, if you will, ha- has been a very therapeutic for me. It's been great self-care for me. Um, I get a lot of downloads, a lot of vision when I'm running and maybe it's the pre-workout, maybe it's the endorphin. I don't know exactly what it is, yeah. um, but it's the runner's high, but I just get a lot of download um, in, in while I'm running. And so uh, it's definitely become an outlet for me and, and the memorial will be a part of that. I also did a Spartan race last year. Oh, well, like, like just like a bunch the of obstacle, obstacle stuff. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did a Spartan Beast, which is a half marathon with 35 obstacles oh, in, outside of Dallas. And uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. Hardest thing I've ever done. I, I was cramping in both legs to the point where I couldn't walk, and there wasn't a water stop anywhere, and I'd eaten everything in my bag. So, right. um, it, again, I can do difficult things. I just had to, like, stomach the fact that I couldn't run. I was just going to have to kind of waddle my way to where my legs were functioning again. But as a person in recovery, but really anybody, I think, that's trying to continue to challenge themselves, I've tried to put one big thing a year on the calendar, okay. if not two. And so it's the memorial and the Spartan, or I've, I've climbed a couple 14ers mountains the past couple years as well. Um, just, I think that for me, I need something to look forward to. I need something to train for. And I'm an experienced junkie, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a drug addict, right? So I, I really get off on those kind of high mountaintop moments, mm-hmm. you know, rehab, <laughs> um, speaking in front of huge crowds, uh, climbing the mountain, and I think my wife doesn't love that about me, but I really, I, I need that a couple times a year yeah. um, to be a sane human being. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. Like you need something, it's great to have something to work towards, right? And if it's just twice a year that you, you know, you dedicate six months to work towards something and then after that you have a little recovery time and then you dedicate the next, you know, five and a half months to something yeah. like, you know, it, it keeps you focused. It keeps you, you know, doing something. And if it's about your health, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's, if you were kind of prepping for a food eating contest, it'd be a little different, right? <laughs> exactly. To climb a 14 or so, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you, but at the same time, like, you know, it's the time that it takes you away from things, right? Like, oh yeah. You know, the time, the dedication it takes to train for a marathon or, you know, a Spartan race or, or climbing, whatever it is, like that's time away from something. Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're hitting me on the week where I started training for the Spartan. So I've, um, I've completely changed my morning schedule. I'm getting up 
not super early, but 625. And that allows me to do what I need to do in the morning because I've learned that I can't do it in the evening. And oh, by the way, it's 150 degrees outside. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it does. I mean, it takes prioritization, yeah, it but and it takes a great partner, all those things. But I, I believe challenging us is a, a kind of part of my ethos. Like I, I push our people to be challenged a lot. You know, jump in the cold tub, do the sauna, run the race, yeah. um, go talk to the donor, make the big ask, step into the uncomfortable meeting make the phone call, do the TV interview. I just think we grow when we challenge her. So do the podcast, you know, and that's where we really tap into our unleashed potential. And, and we only got one life, so let's go. Exactly. So, I mean, finishing up 10 years, I mean, it's a hell of an achievement. Uh, What do we have to celebrate this year and then what's coming? You know, I think the biggest, I'll give you the most important things to celebrate. And that's like, it's, it's unbelievable. The the amount of sobriety that we've been able to see and then the lives changed. But I think the stat that I'm most proud of over the past 10 years is over 700 children reunited with sober moms and dads, um, which is pretty special thing that you might understand if you, if you see what we do, you follow us on social, but maybe it's that under level underlying thing that you don't quite realize is that a lot of these folks have kids and their kids could be in custody somewhere with grandma and grandpa or whatever, whatever it is. And so 700 plus children that have been reunited with sober moms and dads, really proud of that. And that is one of many things that we're going to celebrate. And we're doing two huge events in August, the first uh, full week of August um, to celebrate um, what, what's happened over the past 10 years. And one of those is a celebration of hope event. Uh, that's what we're calling it. It's at the Cowboy Hall of Fame, Tuesday night, August 8th. You can go to HIA10.com. There's only a few tickets and tables available, but we'd love for you to come to that. And that's going to feature Tim Tebow, the one and only Heisman Trophy winner, Tim Tebow, and an up-and-coming Christian music artist named Ben Fuller, who's got an amazing story of recovery as well. And I'm super excited about that night. That's kind of a, a more of a, again, ticketed, private um, gala event to celebrate and to thank the supporters and all that kind of stuff on Tuesday night. And Friday night, August 11th, is a big, big celebration for the community. It's a free event. It's called Night of Hope. You can go to nightofhopeokc.com to read more. It will also feature uh, Tim Tebow, um, but it will be free. And it's at Crossings Community Church. And we're going to celebrate in a huge way. So if you are in sobriety and you want to come and celebrate it, that's a great night to come. If you love someone that struggles with addiction and you need resources or you just need hope, um, and want to get connected to Hope is Alive, that's a great night for you to come. And if you just might want to hear Tim Tebow, um, or if you want to come and worship one night at Crossings, like it's going to be 2,000 plus people. It's going to be a fantastic night, it's August so 11th. Good. How do you get connected with uh, Tim Tebow? How does that happen? People ask me that every day, <laughs> and I just tell them very simply, you get on the website, you fill out the thing, and yeah. you pay him. <laughs> you pay him. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, um, is, come on down. Yeah. is there a level of vetting as an organization sure, yeah. absolutely uh, I talked with his folks oh two or three different times before um, they said yes yeah. and of course negotiated rates and all that kind of thing that would come alongside um, someone of his stature and nature um, but it is unique to have him twice yes. I'll tell you that in one week now he's not staying in Oklahoma City he'll be kind of down and back and all yeah. over the place he's a busy guy um, but we're really excited to have him we feel like he's gonna I- I've heard him actually at a gala about two months ago I went and checked him out um, 
and he killed. Mm. And he, I mean, he was so inspiring. And you would think that about a guy like that, but he was really inspiring. So uh, no matter kind of what your belief system or if you're a football fan or a Florida Gator fan or, or whatever, yeah. um, he is a guy that I think you all would have respect for mm-hmm. and inspired by you know, his love for people, what he's done through Night to Shine, helping those with special needs, um, and just talk about somebody who continues to put himself in challenging positions, trying to play baseball, trying to be a football player, being an analyst. You know, I think you can respect that and we're excited to have him sick well mate thank you so much for coming down really appreciate it for people listening i'll put all the links to the website social media any information about the events coming up and um yeah congrats on 10 years thanks mike thanks and, for having uh, me. congrats on la man that's yes. uh you're a dad so, like it's crazy the namesake so, uh, it is the namesake so for everyone listening uh we will catch you next episode cheers Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. This episode is presented by the Choctaw Nation. The Choctaw people have a rich history and a bright future. At the Choctaw Cultural Center, you can take part in a story 14,000 years in the making. Stroll through our immersive exhibits portraying Choctaw life from the moment our ancestors emerged from the Nani Weha in Mississippian homelands to the Trail of Tears, where we lost so many loved ones, and finally to the modern-day tribe making a positive impact on local communities throughout southeastern Oklahoma. Try your hand at our social dancing and stickball and learn more about our vibrant culture through demonstrations, workshops, and classes. The kids will have a blast in our Luxie Activity Center. The Choctaw Cultural Center is more than a museum. It's a living, breathing experience. Visit ChoctawCulturalCenter.com to plan your visit. This episode is brought to you by Hope is Alive. Hope is Alive exists to radically change the lives of drug addicts, alcoholics, and those who love them. Join us on August 11th at the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum for a celebration of hope featuring guest speaker Tim Tebow and musical artist Ben Fuller. Find out more and get your tickets at HIA10.com. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.